What's up, gamers? This is Battle Mallet Podcast, Hexed, Out of the Gloom. Uh, the Battle Mallet Podcast, for anyone that isn't familiar, is a podcast delving into the minds of two to four busy gamers, uh, playing games that they love and balancing life with those games. I'm Jared Johnson, and tonight I'm here with Jason Table Noob Murray. Great to be back. Yeah, it is. It's uh, So we were looking it up before we started recording. June 10th was the last time we recorded. I guess we're still a podcast. I don't know. We'll probably make that joke for a long time as we record every five months or so uh, until we get back into the swing of things. But speaking of getting back into things, uh, we wanted to record this episode to kind of talk about where we are with the game, what we've been up to. Uh, we've started a local Rivals League, uh, run by Jason. Uh, we've been getting out into the public and playing. Uh, I actually participated in an online league, uh, which I had not. I had taken a break from just because life was busy. Uh, so we want to talk about all of that. Uh, we want to talk about you know the games we've been playing, the Rivals League, uh, the state of Underworlds in this new season of Harrow Deep. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, let's take a little bit of time to talk about what else we've been getting into so jason i'll let you kind of kick things off all right great i mean it's been so long i we could have a whole podcast about just what we've done in the five six months that we haven't recorded so uh, there has been a lot of games um we went on our annual nova trip question (laughs) mark not nova uh so you know because nova is not a thing you know we get get the guys together and go hang out in the woods in a We'll call it a cabin, but it's a very nice house, and uh, we play games all weekend. So that was a lot of fun. Um, I've gotten into Age of Sigmar. Yeah, oh, you have. Goodness. Yeah. So the Path of Glory, um, slow growth thing, playing some Stormcast Eternals. Not very well, mind you. Not very well. So, but it's still fun nonetheless. Um, you know, and then just a lot of Underworlds for me. Uh, One of the things that sparked me wanting to record this episode is I was recently a guest on the Path to Glory podcast. So, um, you know, I'd like to thank, wait, what are their names again? Oh, yeah, they'll get that joke. Don't worry if they listen. So Amon and Jonathan having me over there and um, really appreciate it. So, yeah, I wanted to get on and and talk about all the great things that are having having um, started a new season of Underworlds and Harrow Deep. Jared, what have you been up to? Yeah, so a lot of the same, same trip. Uh, you know, we played Curse City, and we discovered that it's kind of a, a fun, mindless game, but it doesn't really scratch that itch of puzzle solving uh, that uh, real-time or, or a real uh, tabletop game, whether that's Underworlds or 40K or Age of Sigmar does. Um, so uh, I think that most members of the podcast have kept their boxes sealed and or already sold them off. Uh, it, we use my box, and that's fine, because I'll just keep it on the shelf, and maybe when my kids get older, uh, since I have three of them now, uh, you know, the the four of us as a family could play Curse City and kill vampires and zombies and bats and things. <laughs> um, but playing Age of Sigmar has been fun. Uh, the, new, the, the new 3.0 has a lot of fun. There's a lot of interaction, even on your opponent's turn, with the, the new command abilities. Uh, so if you've been on the fence about Age of Sigmar or you took a break, break from 2.0, uh, I think you should give 3.0 a shot just because there's a lot of new stuff and a lot of fun stuff going on in there. 
Uh, and then Marvel Crisis Protocol, and I'm surprised you didn't bring this up, Jason, but man, that Thanos encounter. Yeah. Uh, we got we got to play it twice. So once uh, Jason and I teamed up against Thanos, and then once um, uh, Jason got to run Thanos. and uh, It was and I, awesome. Yeah, I think he liked being the bad guy. Um, oh, it was, I mean, so, you know, I, I was waiting for you to mention Marvel Crisis Protocol have really really enjoyed it but that thanos encounter like having that much power in a game was awesome and it was really cool because there was a lot of um, points within that game where i had to make really hard decisions like solve the puzzle and then just by like snapping my fingers i had to make you make decisions right so bam yeah no, it was cool, and I'm I'm excited to to dig into some of the other encounters that are available there. It's a good way to get three people to play the game uh, in a way that is fun and somewhat balanced, and and not your standard kind of three way. Oh, Jason is showing me right now. There it is. Yeah. So I was in our local game shop uh, picking up my White Dwarf magazine, and I saw the uh, separation anxiety encounter sitting on the shelf, and I sent a text to the group, and I was like, Hey, do we have this yet? And I got a response from Jason about seven minutes after I had left the story. He was like, oh, yeah, that's mine. I forgot to pick it up. <laughs> so. And that one, I believe, is four players. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's why, I've been, that's why I've been scooping those up when I find them. So the organized play kits, because of COVID, a lot of stores haven't had the events. So i um, been picking those up just so we have more encounters to play. And I'm pretty sure that separation and anxiety is a four-player like multiplayer experience so yeah that's awesome so i i do want to i want to fanboy a little bit here i am so excited for for march ish the atomic mass games shop uh is saying march for the for the new mutant the next wave of mutant releases so juggernaut magic colossus rogue gambit that'll be awesome i think i'm I think that's it. There's probably one more I'm missing in there, but it's going to be so good. I'm excited to get get my hands on those and play with some more mutants yeah, in, in cities. I'm more excited. Yeah, in cities. In cities is the joke, right? Yeah. <laughs> Still waiting. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm excited for the, the cards. So, like, sometime next year, they're going to re-release all the cards and stuff like that. So, no, anyway. yeah. Updated fighter cards. Yeah. So before this becomes a full on Marvel Crisis Protocol episode, uh, I'm going to turn things over to Jason because he uh, I think he has a a pretty clear picture of where he wants to take this episode. So uh, before we do that, we'll take our traditional break and then we'll come back with talking about Harrowdeep. All right. And we're back. Um great to be here i am totally just winging this like it truly is out of the gloom like you set that up like i knew what was going on or i had a really rigid outline for this episode but i do not we're just uh you know just glooming it here glooming it there no uh all jokes aside um for this i shared a lot of my thoughts on the other podcast so i wanted to get you on a recording to get your thoughts of everything that has transpired um, in this season already of Harrow Deep and just the transition to the season. So uh, we'll start with just the announcement of Harrow Deep, um, it coming out, and the price point, because we haven't really talked about that, right? So 
95 yeah. so yeah so um if you want a a, a negative take on the price point uh, i will i will point you to youtube and if you just <laughs> i'm sure that if you just search harrow deep price on youtube uh you will probably find all manner of negative videos that agree with you that it costs too much uh if that's the camp that you sit in I will say that $95 was painful. I cannot get around that. And I cannot get around the fact that Games Workshop is a profit-driven company and they are out to make money. That is, that is, that's the bar, right? That's the bar from which we measure everything else about how Games Workshop operates as a company. Um, that being said, Jason and I, we ran the math, right? So the, so the last starter box was 75 75 bucks yeah. yeah i think we, well we also based it off of the starter starter like the ascent the the um dreepers dreepers creepers and storm of celestis yeah, yeah which is okay, 65 so 60, 65 bucks for that one yeah. now mm-hmm. and then then we, when you count the cards that comes in harrow deep you get not only do you get 32 cards per warband which is what the starter set with storm of celestis and dreepers creepers comes with but you also get uh, a a number of universal cards including a handful of grand alliance cards so cards that are only usable within uh, specific grand alliances so you know like the orcs and the goblins and the trolls fall under destruction all of the ghosts and vampires and zombies and things fall under death and so on so uh and they added those factions to all of the warbands so now you know if you're not familiar with the lore of the game those exist anyway there are universal cards that are objectives employees and upgrades that are available only for specific kind of super factions so you get all of those cards as well and i think by the time we ran the numbers you were getting probably one and a half essentials packs worth of cards yeah so the dollar amount came out to like 87 dollars card for card right and so that's a discrepancy of about $8 by the time you go to full retail. And so this has come up before in other uh, forums. So I've seen it on Reddit. I think I've seen it in the Discord conversations. Anybody that's talking about price hikes, uh, there are lots of things going on with that. Um, just the cost of materials in general has gone up in the past 20 months. Uh, but the biggest factor, and especially for a company like Games Workshop that does a lot of their production outside of the country, when it especially when it comes to print materials, a lot of their print materials are printed offshore, uh, offshore meaning outside of Great Britain, typically outside of the U.S. as well. They have to ship that on shipping containers somewhere. And prior to COVID, a shipping container would cost as I looked it up, as it was reported on different articles that I read, about $2,500 for one shipping container. And that has jumped to $25,000. So 10 times the cost for the same shipping container. And I made the joke about playing in the city with Marvel Crisis Protocol earlier. This is relevant. I backed a Kickstarter for City Terrain uh, with the intention of being able to use it for my World crisis protocol i was supposed to get it like last february and i'm fingers crossed going to get it in december and one of the the factors has been getting a hold of those shipping containers so 
for the cost of materials to go up like they have. Has anybody tried to buy lumber lately? Anybody? Yeah, <laughs> there's one for you. Um, and then the cost of shipping containers. I think that an $8 overhead on top of what you would get by buying an essentials pack and a half plus the main starter set doesn't seem as painful when it's broken down in that way. It's still the, the $95 price point is still not what I would call easily accessible. Yeah. And I mean, you make some really great points there. I think the other thing too, is there is the, you know, evergreen starter set now, right? This is the first season that we're going into where this is a true season starter where the, the entry point for the game is supposed to be that $65 starter point for, for the, the new players. Um, and then, you know, this is, this is us getting, getting a season. So it was tough for me to swallow too. And I, I think everybody out there knows how big of a GW fanboy I am. I'm not willing to, to pay. I, I am willing to pay for my hobby. Uh, I don't normally get sticker shock very often, but this one was, it was a little rough. Just a little. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, I bet if, if anybody is kind of on the fence about the price, at least maybe we've given some information about why. Yeah. Uh, not not saying it's right not saying it it's easy to swallow but at least maybe there's an explanation for it right so you mentioned the grand alliance cards in there what are like what are your thoughts on those like what do they add to the game or do you even use any of them um so i have tiptoed into one or two of them on the destruction side um and i'm trying to remember I think there was one that I was using for the cunning crew. Um, that was pretty good. Um, but there is one that's sitting out there that is, uh, it's pretty good for the death faction. <laughs> um, so it lets you bring back a fighter in war bands that can't normally bring back a fighter. So yeah. your leader Part- has to be alive. It's called partial uh, partial resurrection. Is partial resurrection. Thanks. Um, so your leader, it's it's a leader restricted ploy. Uh, and when you bring a fighter back, they come back with one health. Uh, so they're vulnerable, as is the new keyword. Um, but generally, you would do it in the power step leading into your turn. So it's not going to matter that they're vulnerable because they're going to get to go in and do whatever it is that you need them to do before they just get turned around and crumped anyway um but it opens up an interesting space for war bands like dreepers creepers like bringing back the patrician or canaan's reapers and bringing back ben arkenta uh who's your range two damage two uh you know sub sub commander um or even a vampire bringing back back a vampire Yeah. yeah so that could be fun uh, but well, I mean, what I think is really cool about that card is it actually like helps out the sepulchral guard. So now they have three ways to bring back a fighter. So you have the the on fighter action on the warden, and then now you have two ploys that allow you to bring back a fighter. And that could be, I mean, that could potentially be brutal if you tool up the harvester or the champion and you send them in and they get bopped, and then you bring them back and you send them in again, <laughs> they get bopped. You're like, well. I guess I'll just bring it back and send him it. I mean, you could wipe. 
I mean, if your positioning is good with the harvester and you've got them tooled up, I mean, you could, I mean, you could wipe out nine fighters in in <laughs> three activations. Yeah, I mean, you could, but it's not likely. But I mean, I'm just, likely. you know, if you're just thinking about the 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 top of the ceiling, there is pretty high for for power. But I think ultimately it introduces a, an interesting design space where maybe you could apply a card that would be too powerful if it were available for every warband ever, but suddenly isn't as, you know, uh, bad for, you know, only one sub-faction. So yeah. I, what comes to mind is Destruction. So Destruction has all your big boys other than Kanan. True. Um, so it's got Morgox Crushes. you got three big boys there. You've got Molog. You've got Hrothgorn. Right, so if you added a damage reduction card that was universally available, I mean, that's that's a no-brainer, right? If you're running Molog, if you're running Hrothgorn, if you're running Morgox Crushes, you're going to take a damage reduction card. Uh, but now if that's suddenly only available for, say, Order factions, so your Stormcast, your Elves, um, the Fire Slayers, yeah. you know, that's not as... It's not as big a deal, right? Reducing damage by one on a three-wound fighter or even a four-wound fighter is not as game-breaking as reducing damage by one on a six- or seven-wound fighter. So I think it opens up some really cool space. I'll be, I'm curious to see kind of how it plays out. Yeah, I, I think you hit the, the nail on the head there. It's like really cool design space to give them specifics. Great point on... Um, you can, you know, uh, pick up one faction and and not influence all of, all of the universal pool. Um, you know, that for me, it's just it's going to cause different deck building, right? And you know, whether there's a ton of powerful cards or not, you know, I'll I'll leave the community to judge there. But the fact that we won't have the same type of builds because at the end of Direchasm, although we weren't playing a ton. At that point in time, I felt like I took the same seven cards, right? Like it's like these seven cards are my core cards, and anything that can kind of mix that up, where I'm playing a faction or a, you know a grand alliance, that makes it feel a little bit different. Um, I, I like so it's yeah. a cool, little, cool little add to the game. Um, you know that's from the the card standpoint. What um, there's a ton of just rule changes, and we're not like we're not going to go into every single one. But what's your your favorite rule change for the new season? Uh, I think I really like gloom. Really, and I, I do, and I say that as somebody who was a big fan of the hold two Morgok deck. Um, nothing like three big beaters getting passive glory to get the train rolling <laughs> without having to interact with you. Um, no, I mean, I, th I think it, I think it adds an extra dimension to the game when it comes to your thought processes. Um, so there are cards out there like, uh, scant resources and you gave the pro tip on path to glory. So I'm actually going to leave that a secret and force people to go listen. <laughs> so there's a, there's a, Jason's got a pro tip on, uh, on a path to glory episode, uh, about, uh, an easy way, depending on which warband you're using, to totally rock somebody that's running scant resources, uh, which is n no spent glory across either 
uh, all players or all objectives are held. Um, and Gloom makes that interesting because you don't start with any objectives. So that could be really easy if you move one of your fighters onto an objective and or onto a Gloom hex and then flip it. Um, but I, I think I also like the added uh, the added resilience that it that it can provide. So if you're on a Gloom hex, double supports count as successes on defense. Uh, and it just makes the game feel a little bit more interactive because, um, you know, there's an additional chance that an attack won't go through, which means, you know, that's more dice being rolled because you got to make another attack, you know. And I mean, that's I mean, ultimately, that's why we play this instead of Magic the Gathering or Yu-Gi-Oh or or Pokemon or whatever is we get to use miniatures and roll dice and use cards. And so as a longstanding aggro to aggro heavy flex player i like it when dice are rolled yeah so you being in more of an aggro player it doesn't i i'm surprised to hear you say that because of the added defense so have you played enough games to see it really matter like are things surviving more are you missing more attacks i think there have been a i think so in the playing in the in the online league that i played in um I think there were probably maybe two or three attacks every set that somebody got a double support that would have been a failure that it wasn't. And I mean, ultimately, I think the benefits and the and the interaction and the headspace that the gloom and when to delve and when not to delve takes up is kind of worth the price of admission of maybe missing, you know, one or two attacks every three games. Do you think that it adds to the overall positioning of the game? Is What I mean there is, you know, objective play has been big at certain points during the evolution of this game. But now there's a reason for aggro warbands to just go and stand on these hexes. So it really makes these like pinch points or critical points on the game board almost like highly contested. So like, I mean, have you seen that? Like as an aggro player, are you trying to control the gloom in your games? Yeah. So, I mean, I think when I have played an aggro warband against another aggro warband i think we're both trying to place gloom hexes in a place where we think we will ultimately end up making an attack from um and so that you know it it makes objective placement matter kind of double especially in game one where you maybe don't know what your opponent is doing so you have to think about okay if I have, if I'm aggro and I've been given three objectives, well, or I pick three objectives, whatever the case is, if I think my opponent might want objectives, not only do I have to think about, okay, where do I put my objective tokens to either keep them away from my opponent or in a place where uh, they are going to have to stand on it where I can get to them or that blocks out where they might want to put one of their own so that they can stand on it more easily, right? So that now with the the fact that you can't put objective or feature tokens on the edge hexes, 
it kind of it helps out helps blocking out space so there's that aspect right and then now there's also the aspect of well i also need to think about well where am i putting them so that they are beneficial to me when i'm coming in to make an attack so before you might have put you know a, a a lethal hex behind two starting hexes right that makes sense it's aggressive it helps the aggro well now you'll put your extra gloom hex or even you know one of your objective slash gloom hexes in front of those two paired starting hexes because it means that you can throw a fighter onto that hex control it get that extra pip of defense uh and then and still make an attack and try to do what your deck is trying to do yeah yeah and i'll be honest that's where i've messed up the the most so like lethal hexes they became so second nature where to place them and if you made a mistake placing a lethal hex you know most people stayed away from it nothing feels worse to me in placing that additional feature token that is double gloom and then having my opponent use that to just kind of sit in and beat the heck out of me right like i i have made that mistake a couple of times to the point now where most of the time i'm not even placing my additional feature hex unless i have you know a card in that i have to control a feature hex like i'm just trying to stay away from it um especially given godsworn like playing so much of that like what difference does it make they're gonna die so just right. don't give don't give them a benefit right so yeah no that makes sense well cool so what is 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 there any rules changes or missed rules that have irritated you that you don't like about the new season i don't think so um I like the I like the change to the roll off. So, you know, whoever didn't win the roll off the first turn automatically wins it the second game. Um I I wonder about maybe adjusting that for like full on competitive play so that it's whoever lost the first game gets to choose. But I I think that that I mean I think that that's I don't know if that's percentage-wise really going to make that much of a difference in a win-loss. I, I mean, we don't have enough data on Harrow Deep now to know, well, does, if you get to choose first and you win, the like, how often does getting to choose and winning the first game, how often does that align? Um, yeah. So, but I mean, as, as far as trying to push something to three games, I think it would make more sense to give the loser of the first game the choice for the second game. But if you're really just talking about increasing kind of the back and forth and and both players getting to make a choice aspect of the game, then then the other way makes sense. The way that's in the rule book where whoever wins the roll off gets the first one. Whoever lost that roll off gets the second one. Cool. What about the inspire step? You, you oh, the inspire step. That's... Uh, Nobody else has talked about this. Are we really just going to put up, put these bats in our hands, even though this horse is super dead in the ground? It, yeah, it, it is. It is definitely. But I mean, you yeah, played, I mean, you no, played I mean, Wild Hunt at one yeah. time. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you don't get to I mean, it's now. Yeah, it's. I think that. I think it's a problem. I think it solved a problem and then just added one. And I, I feel like there is a solution out there where 
you do an errata to add an inspire step during the end phase or after the end phase or before the first activation or something i don't know i don't i don't know completely offhand the exact wording on all of the warbands that get messed up by the change in the inspire step on it like i know that it is the third round or it is the second round um kind of you got to figure out a window in there but I, i feel like the the rules writers can probably find a window that satisfies everything i think the weirdest one um is the interaction between the vampires and hunger counters i think everything else is just kind of a well that stinks but it's the way the rules are i think yeah having an inspired vampire get a hunger counter just feels a little weird um but certainly like the iden f can losing an inspired activation is kind of painful uh and then anybody else that inspires in the end phase so you know thinking about I mean, there's a lot, right? So the Fire Slayers are that way. Not that anybody is playing Far Striders anymore, but they'd be the same way. Um, it is nice to kind of have a clarification on exactly when the Inspire happens, but I yeah. just think I, I think there's a, a minor rules tweak that can be made that can probably satisfy 98% of the complainers. Yeah. Yeah, I saw you up there, but like it, it is probably the only, in my opinion the biggest miss of the rule set is is that inspire step just making the game not flow for certain warbands and them achieving their inspire but uh you know i'm sure it'll get fixed and if even if it doesn't i mean the games that i've played it it just is what it is like you just you deal with it so um well good so the other big thing that that well let me pause there for a second and just um kind of get the one of the coolest things that i think of harrow deep is the color of the boards like the the uh, the blues so good yeah like i don't know if it's i mean because you kind of went from that muted green of like shades fire nightfall and then we got you know the earth tones through the last two seasons yeah. of beast grave and dire dire chasm and then i don't know the the blue boards and like yeah. it's just it's just i don't know i like it it's my favorite yeah. so far so. Well, yeah, so Shadespire was a lot of blues and grays. Yeah. And then when they introduced Night Vault, that was, I mean, that's the Night Haunt, so you got a lot more green on the board. And then, yeah, like you said, Beast Grave and Darkasm, it was a lot of amber, a lot of browns and reds and oranges. But, man, this blue-purple combo that they got going on, like I could, I, like I want to make a like a bedspread out of that color palette. <laughs> It's like, like, I just want to wrap myself up in it. It's so, like, I don't know. It's just, like, it's so cool to look at. I like it a lot. Like, I I, I think when I play in person, I just pick, I, I, I just lean towards the new boards just because I like the way they look, yeah. even if they're not the optimum board for as far as starting hexes or gloom hexes or whatever. It's the same. Same for me. Plus, my yep. Stormcast look really good on it. So Yeah, they do. <laughs> they're already dark and purple anyway, so... Well, the, so the other thing that was introduced, uh, or I guess a better way of putting it, made official with Harrow Deep, is the Rivals format. Yes. And, you know, I think it's well noted my thought on Rivals. So just like to get your, you know, what's your, your take on it or your elevator pitch to, to sell it if you like it? Like, what? Yeah. What's Rivals to you? 
No, so I I think it's it's great that it's a an official format. We were car- kind of already doing that before things shut down when we were introducing new people to the game because in Beast Grave they had introduced you know full decks for every warband and so it was easy to say here's your deck, here's your warband, play a game. And and you can buy this out of the box and you can play it out of the box just with these. Um, but now that it's like an official supported format, it's cool to see, you know, Games Workshop pushing it. And it, you know, if people go on to the Warhammer community site, they're going to be able to read about it. If people are, uh, you know, digging through events, um, the Warhammer World event in January, I believe it's January, yes, is like a rivals plus format and we'll get to that in a second because i do want to talk about that but um but even like to see like official warhammer events games workshop events supporting it means i mean it's fully supported and so it's easy to say hey i want to introduce you to this game uh and the best way to get started is in this very specific format where you just buy the box of models and cards that you want and you can just play the game i i and it, and it's easy and it makes it nice to pick up to do like a pickup game like if you're just at a store and you have stuff you know you don't have to explain deck building to anybody you don't have to say oh well you know optimally you would have this card but I also want to use that card and so I only have one copy of it so I'm going to use it or I'm going to let you use it or whatever um yeah I mean I think it's great and and it's a good way to to like easily play a lot of different warbands without having to put a lot of thought into playing that warband. Yeah. Couldn't say it better myself. I, my, my thoughts are the exact same on that, but let's, let's peel that onion back a little bit more. I'd really like to get your thoughts on the games that you've played with rivals. Are they is um, engaging? Is there as much depth in the game now that you're not building the deck and you don't get the synergies with the cards as much? Cause there's still some there. Like, have you enjoyed Rivals just as much as you did Championship? I have, and I think it reminds me of early Shadespire, where the best cards weren't out, and so you never planned on scoring your whole deck. And you were regularly ditching ploys and upgrades because they didn't make sense for what you were going to be able to accomplish based on your objectives, or vice versa, or both. Um, I think the other thing that's great, and we didn't talk about this, but the the new um, do-over mechanic, I think, really ties into Rivals. So the fact that when you get your opening objectives and opening power hand, if you don't like them, you can still ditch them and draw new cards. But now instead of them being gone from the game forever, now they shuffle back into your deck. So it makes it a lot easier to kind of make that decision to say, oh, like, here I am, I'm playing a Rivals deck, and I got a Surge, an end phase, and a third end phase card in my opening power hand, or opening objective hand. Well, that's a no-brainer, unless, like, the Surge and the end phase are super easy. But, um, but okay, so all of the, the brain-racking deck building is out of the game. I think now what it boils down to is, how am I going to score the most glory that I can? Like, how am I going to make this wonky hand happen uh, <laughs> based on what, you know, based on what my fighters can do and based on what my opponent has. Um, and, and then I think um, 
I think Jonathan said this on the Path to Glory podcast, but I think one of my favorite things is like you get all those cards that you would never take in a million years, but now you're like, oh, like I can actually do kind of something fun with this card. So let me do it. Like I was playing Wild Hunt and I took the card. I mean, I took because I had to. I had the card in hand round one where he gets his javelin back. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to charge in and I'm going to throw my javelin. <laughs> and he's charged, so he's going to be inspired. So I'm going to get my javelin back. So the next time I want to do it, it's on three hammers. Like, But like, you would never take that card because there are like so many other better cards that you can do to beef up any other fighter in your warband to be able to do something you know, with that warband. So you're like, well, yeah, I'm not going to take that one. But like, it's there. It's yeah. fun. Like, might as well use it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it's fun. And wow, who knew that card actually worked and you get some play out of it. I know that in, you know, my most, well, not my most recent game, but a couple weeks ago now with, with Steven, you know, I'm playing Iron Souls and he was playing Reapers and it was just, we were just dragging it out, right? Like we weren't scoring, like cards weren't going together. But then by the end of the game, we both had like 12 and 10 glory. Like it, it's still the game still functioned and like those yeah. deci- those decision points were difficult. It's like, well, I really want to activate, but this card is is not going to score. So, yeah. is it better for me to ditch it and get something that I can achieve, or or do I just lean in and try to kill everything? Right? Because that's that's the other flip side. If you're not going to score your objectives, like you can still get glory from killing things. So, yep. Well, awesome, and you know through that like through the episode so far you've mentioned the league so we do have a local league that started up um where we're running it as rivals we're heading into month two we currently have seven players in the league um and it's really to me it's you know definitely got some new players out i feel like everyone's on the same foot uh for the league and it's really fun. Like we're kind of doing a spin where you get points if you don't play the same warband throughout. But if you want to, go right ahead. Um, and it's been it's been really really good to get out into the community and play some active games with other people. Yes. So so looking forward to that. I think we got another one coming up here in a week or so. Another meetup. So um, definitely looking forward to that. But you also mentioned Rivals Plus, and just to you know bring the listeners up to speed. I don't know if it's really called Rivals Plus, but uh, GW is hosting a tournament um, next month or two months from now. Sorry, I'm getting even closer to Christmas. Don't need to do that. Uh, but in January, they're hosting a bug uh, at Bugman's. Oh, my goodness. I am butchering all of this stuff. At Warhammer World, they are hosting a tournament. And that tournament is a Rivals-based tournament. But you can also select a card pack to manipulate your deck with. So you could take the essentials pack and you have to declare your, you know, your warband and the, the supplementary deck that you're taking before the event. So you could take your warband in Silent Menace, your warband in Essentials, your warband and maybe a not yet released deck called Illusionary Might, because it may have been in that that pack that that they're um yeah, it was in the roadmap. Back, right? So, well, it was that illusory might was on the roadmap too. So, oh, was it? Oh, but the tournament pack may yeah. or may not have listed may, that deck. May, may or may not have listed the deck before. Which means it may or may not get released before that event goes live. Well, that's yeah. fun. That's good to know. Um, it might, it might be. They might have fixed it by now, but yeah. Um, 
but it'd be cool that they can you can select basically two decks and and make the best of those so it's kind of it's kind of like championship light or for uh, rivals plus i mean yeah do you think that that has legs i think so i think so i mean the honest reality is that the essentials pack is pretty good like there are a lot of good cards in there mighty swing sidestep strong start great gains i mean that list goes on right like i mean they picked out some good oh and i mean there are cards that don't exist anymore right in yeah great strength great fortitude great speed like those cards yeah. That's they're not in survive yeah. they're not in dire chasm and they're not in Heradeep anymore because they were in beast grave but then they they're gone oh and yeah. of course the classics hold objective one two three four and five right like those are choice card now those are not <laughs> don't, don't take those cards um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like, I mean, but I mean, that opens up some huge design space because now you could kind of work around some of the wonky cards that you have, like that you wouldn't necessarily always take, but are are pretty good in your rivals deck. But then you can slop out the ones that are like, you know, let's say for some insane reason you decide to take Wormspat, you can just go ahead and throw out their infaction supremacy. <laughs> and also start scrounging for surges since they only have three in their rivals deck. But, but it like I think it opens up some some good design space. I think that it will probably become pretty apparent either by number represented or win rate which warbands have inherently better rivals decks. Yeah. At an event like that, um, just because you'll they'll they already have really good tools whether that's because of the design of the warband or the design of the cards or both um so i don't i would have fun an event at an event like that i don't know that it would it's going to scratch that full itch that gets scratched at something like the nova grand clash that we did that is full-on championship build your deck from the ground up um but i mean i would i would i would go and probably pay to go to an event like that that had a large number of players yeah i i mean i agree Uh, you make a really good point you know one that i didn't really think of all the way through in thinking this event because i just saw oh like look you can card build so that means that my mind goes to you know a, like a worm spat where they have a not great rivals deck and now i can supplement some stuff in and make them playable but your point being like the rich almost get richer in that type of format so reapers probably can take out all the the terrible infaction objectives that they have and become a little more efficient but then so can so can ripa and so can anyone else so you know the rich just get richer and the poor stay poor, it, they just don't feel as bad because now they probably function and don't stall out um, completely. Right. You know, and season one and season two can combine two decks together, like Silent Menace and Essentials, and maybe there is something there because I haven't looked at it, but maybe there is. Oh, I didn't even think about that. That could be funny. Maybe there's something, yeah. <laughs> Silent Menace and Essentials pack, Godsworn. There you go. Um. Well, well, we'll wait and see. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how that that event went. Um, they they did have a rivals uh, meetup at Bugman's, so that was really cool to see as well. Because you know COVID kind of threw all that off, and they were doing Bugman's uh, 
tournaments once a month. So to yeah. CGW get the kind of the Bugman's night going with the rivals um, deck and had a really good turnout. I think they had over 30 some players to that as well. So, you know, it, it's really cool to see the game starting to to pick back up now that people can get together uh, and play. So anything else on rivals? I think I think you've kind of nailed it for me. You're you're this is where you're supposed to say, wow, that TO of our local rivals league is amazing. And wow, that TO of our <laughs> local rivals league is amazing. No, I really appreciate you taking on the onus of organizing it and doing the pairings and stuff. It makes it, I mean, it you know, it just helps build the community. Like you said, we've attracted, you know, we've got seven people playing now, um, which is, you know, like double. <laughs> what we were playing periodically randomly at people's houses. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, for anyone that's been is on the fence or maybe your, your underworld's community kind of slacked out during COVID and getting it spun back up. I can't, it is a lot of work. I mean, like I do definitely post on Facebook more than I ever have. Uh, You know, I'm constantly trolling through discords whatever it is. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying that it's not a work and sometimes it can get frustrating. You, you kind of put a date together, you get like four or five people that are going to show up and then one shows and you're like, Oh man, but nothing is more rewarding, at least in my play, not even winning a game to have people come out and get interested in the same game that you're interested in. And it's, and it's happened, you know, a number of times, even people that aren't in the league, uh, when we've played at the GW shop, just to see a new person that's just like picking up a, you know, a starter war band and they're like, introduce me to this game. And they, you kind of see a click and that's been so rewarding. Yeah. Um, and that, Actually, that's a good point. And then one of the things that's really cool is that a lot of the war bands like are pretty functional in age of Sigmar armies. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of ages of Sigmar players that like already have the war bands and may still have the cards. And so it's an easy be like transition for them to jump in and play a rival's game. It's not to say that they need to like they need to fully commit to Underworlds, but you know, that's a a 45 minute pickup game that they they can get whenever it's available. Yeah. Yeah. Because and that's Eddie, one of one of the newer local players, he said just that, like he's an Age of Sigmar player and, you know, it's not necessarily convenient to schedule a 3 to 4 hour game where he can meet up with with us and get a 45 minute an hour game in and and, and be satisfied in his mental decision making process so um yeah a lot of a lot of fun there the next thing i do want to talk about though is you have taken a hiatus from competitive play it's it was quite a long one almost a year like kind of a burnout from covid online play you know not uh, no events going on you know, and even even you and I, although we do play almost every single week, it wasn't competitive there for a while. It was just kind of like, yeah, bring whatever. But you jump back into the league, and not only did you jump back into it, you kind of got beat up a little bit the first couple weeks, but then you made the playoffs. And for anyone that's familiar with the online leagues, like everyone on the online league knows how to play. Like they're all they've been playing through all of COVID typically they've been playing multiple seasons. So it's not like you're, you're, uh, 
getting that you know brand new player that doesn't even know what <laughs> glory is so one what made you jump back in and two kind of walk me through that experience of being terrible and then getting back in it yeah um so uh, i think the decision to play was just like Haradeep had been announced and like uh i just wanted to play more like i was excited about Haradeep. it looked cool it sounded cool um Sorry, and my so, dog was snoring. So no, it's it it really something. funny. You guys, I, no, nobody can see this, but on camera, <laughs> I just watched Jason throw a box over his shoulder at his dog lying on the bed because she was snoring. So that was awesome. Uh, so, yeah. So, no, it was. Um, yeah. So I just I just wanted to play more games. And 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 that is an easy way to do it because it typically just meant one night a week. Um, that I had to kind of block out to be able to play my games. Um, and then I, I honestly think, so I lost my first two rounds and then proceeded to win the next four. Uh, the last round to make it into the playoffs was super lucky. Like, I mean, I'm not going to say that I like was making terrible decisions and only won because of luck. Um, I think I made the right decisions. It just... Uh, just the last decision that I made and I, and I'll regale you with that in a moment. Um, but, but proceeded to win, you know, the next four to make the playoffs and then, um, and then just to hit a really bad matchup on round one in the elimination bracket. Um, so I'm out, but I made it, uh, which I had not done before, I think for any of the online league. Oh, really? That was your first playoff? I don't think I'd ever made the elimination bracket before. Damn. Um, So I think the first two rounds was literally me just knocking the dust off and remembering how to make decisions quickly. Um, Because, you know, when you and I meet up for lunch, you know, we kind of take a a longer lunch break and we play like one game. And so if it takes us an hour-ish to play one round, one match, you know, there's a lot of time for him and and Han and and, and you take know, backs in your take backs and if famous Idenet, I will never play the Idenet again. <laughs> Dang shoal token! Oh, I forgot the spine fit. I forgot the shoal token. No, I'll never do that again. Jared, that I, was seven activations ago. I I know, but I'm putting. I know, it in. but let me just walk through what I would have done after each power step. No, um, but yeah, it, it was a, a lot of knocking the dust off and. And because I, you know, I want to honor that I'm I'm using somebody else's time that has, you know, agreed to a competitive, you know, best of three match, which should not take more than two hours, realistically. It, I mean, if you're full on competitive play, and both players know exactly what they're doing and are like top mental state, an hour and a half is is doable for a best of three match if you if it goes to three games or you know even if it if it's two that's two 45 minute games but all of that to say i think the first two rounds was me just kind of getting back into the swing of things being able to make the best decisions uh learning what it's like to play against people that aren't jason (laughs) and war bands that jason doesn't play um was another part of it but i think after that you know it was i just went back to my uh Iron Skulls boys roots. I mean, I was using the crushes, so it's Iron Skulls boys, but but a little bit better. 
So what style of of crushes was it? Is it just straight aggro now? I mean, it was. I was still running the flex aggro, so I still had now what and got it, boss. Um, but then after that, it was all aggro. Like there was no. I think I had great gains, but that's really just to score more card, right? Like that's mm. not, you know, you're not passive glorying off of that one. Um, so so what do you think? You know, for the listeners, kind of like, what do they do well? So crushes in this current meta. What are they doing well? So they can take a hit, um, and that's for sure. I mean, they've got their Infaction Resilience card, the the upgrade, um, in your to pain, and then they've got um, the one where they can discard their wild counters to reduce damage. Um, yeah. And then I, I think with the current card set available, there's a decent number of plus one dice on range one attack cards so i mean thug is already three dice uninspired um morgak is two dice but on hammers uninspired so really the only um you know the only weak link when it comes to accuracy is um is art skull but with the variety of plus one dice cards available uh, including some infaction gambits that give you wild counters to get him inspired. I mean, it's not hard to to be accurate and hit. And what's great is that there are a lot of warbands out there that are two or three wound fighters. And so you're either a one successful attack or get a glory, put on a plus one strength upgrade, and now you can do three damage with any of your fighters. Um, yeah, I mean, although Ardskull and Morgok come out of the gate hitting for three, so you know, with the the number of two and three wound fighters out there right now, uh, it it makes it easy to kind of get that that train rolling. There, I mean, they're continuing to do what they did before. Before it's it's just harder to to get the now what? So hold an objective in enemy territory, or hold two objectives, and got it, boss, which is hold an objective in enemy territory. It's just harder to do that, but it's still doable. Yeah. What so if I'm going up against crushes, any advice on what maybe their the Achilles heel is? Stay away uh, from it. If you can if you can manage to isolate and hammer down one at a time, like that's probably gonna be the way to go. Like spreading out your damage doesn't do you a lot of good. because uh, it's not like they're weaker just because they have wound counters on them. No. Um and if you can do things to control the engagement so they're not getting to attack, so they don't get those wog counters, um, then then you're going to keep them from inspiring. And that, I mean, that reduces their accuracy and their damage. Nothing's worse than Art Skull with uh, augmented limbs. So now he's an inspired Art Skull with augmented limbs. So he's swinging four dice and. He can reduce. He can remove wall counters to add damage. So let me just yeah. swing four dice for six damage without any upgrades on. Yeah, it seems good. Yep. Well, good. So did so did the league help you get, you know, back into the competitive? Like, if there was a grand clash tomorrow, and we we had the uh, the the brownie points to kind of go. Would would you be all in again? Like, are you all into championship? Um, yes. With that with that brownie point 
<laughs> caveat, right? I mean, it's to, I mean, you know, because the world is opening back up, I'm now traveling for work again. And so that means, you know, there's some marital equity there that, that gets spent. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though it is for work, it's still time away from family. Um, and it's personal equity too, right? Like that's, I have three kids now and my son is seven and he keeps asking. He asked me today, he was like, when do I get to come to a game night with you? And I'm like, buddy, we got to practice at home. And he's like, well, when are we going to practice at home? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't have time. <laughs> Cats in the cradle and silver spoon. <laughs> I'll bring them to a league night. It'll be fine. No, that's, I mean, that's what I told him is I said, why, why don't we over Thanksgiving break, we'll play some games. And I mean, I mean, he's seven. He, I mean, his reading skills are, are, are pretty good. It's going to be just a rules understanding at this point. Um, but I think, I think he and I might start trying to play maybe once a week with, I mean, play a rivals deck and I'll give him something good. Like, well, actually, I got to think about that now. Probably crushes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cause their, their rule, their on fighter rules are, are pretty straightforward. You know, I was thinking about dreamers creepers just cause they're good, but then you got the whole push thing and that just yeah. seems overly complicated. Yeah. It- but you do learn the whole game then with your reaction windows and stuff like yeah. that. But oh, we can go into that whole whole debate that we had on our Discord um, and at a meetup. Like, what is the best starting faction for to teach someone the game? Um, yeah, so that you could go back and forth. I still think it's crushes. I think crushes yeah. is a pretty good, pretty good. I'm going to learn this game um, style. You could make a you know an argument that. A stormcast, whether it's truth seekers or someone else, could be another another yeah. good. Uh, I feel like okay. truth seekers are good because you got you got a lot of different kinds of fighters in that warband. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got your accurate two damage, you've got your less accurate three damage, you've got ranged, you've got a pet. So there's it's a companion. Not I'm a sorry, pet. you got a companion. Is it a companion and a beast? It is. And flying. And flying. Look at those keywords. <laughs> so all right. So the follow up the, the the championship, like would you would you go to a Grand Clash if you could? So what's your favorite warband other than crushes? Like what are you looking forward to playing? Like going forward from here? So I'm gonna give the Cunning Crew a shot. Um Kanan's Reapers showed me that I can play a a warband with more than five models. So I'm hoping that I can play a warband with five models. I, I ran the wild <laughs> hunt for a long time. Um, and you know, with some, some decent success there, um, for a time, I mean, not at any kind of competitive event, but it, you know, at least just having fun and playing, you know, regularly within the community. Um, so I'm going to give them a shot. They Their design space looks interesting. I've, I've played one game with them, and they're definitely more finesse than Wild Hunt was. Um, there's some some maneuvering to be done, which is good. Um, but that kind of falls in line with, you know, where the Cadence Reapers were, right? Like, you were always fishing for those supports with Cadence Reapers. You want the supports to get inspired for Cunning Crew, plus the two little Weedly guys give you double supports. So you just get that additional accuracy. Um, so I'm definitely excited about playing them. I, I do want to play um, Xandar's Truth Seekers too, just because I think the models look awesome. Um, and, yeah. the, and the the diversity of that warband is intriguing to me. Um, it's like, 
you put uh, a Stormcast skin over Yothari's Guardians or Myari's Purifiers, right? So you have a beater, accurate, an archer, and a leader. Yeah, so yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's an interesting take on it. I really didn't, I didn't see that. Uh, and that's the warband that I'm most excited to play, to be honest. Like, I go back and forth on playing all these warbands. But when it comes to championship, I'm really interested in playing true stickers and getting them to work only because I haven't spent a whole lot of time with Stormcast. Um, and that, you know, I'm into them now in, in AOS, but I haven't spent a whole lot of time with them in Underworlds in first right other than first riders. But and that's really what I would say that truth seekers are is they are a reskin, but it's like the best of all the previous stormcast factions so i have that's true. i got obrin you know which is now the giant fell um yeah. you kind of have a caster which isn't <clears throat> as good as storm sire because she doesn't necessarily have a spell attack but she's also like gwen from iron souls because she's on three hammers like right out the gate yeah. so very accurate and then you got the the archer um storm rider in the back like and she's had, range four from the range video, right yeah yeah it's yeah. pretty nice yep and the they're they're gonna inspire on like other stormcast factions right like one of them is going to get go out of action so they're going to inspire and then you got my little bird like i have a little companion that is really the linchpin of everything like i love that little it's like a it's like a best boy brawl but a flying bird and it's great that's right <laughs> so. that's good that's good i like it i think so, I think I was going to say, I think the other one, and I, I think this is for the same reason that Truth Seekers calls to you, is, I mean, I play Bone Reapers in Age of Sigmar, and so, like, I love Kanan's Reapers. I just, and it, it's totally aesthetic for me. Like, I mean, I just love the models, and I painted them like my army paint scheme, so I just love looking at them. Um, so that's kind of the other one that maybe intrigues me a little bit on the on the championship side. Plus, there's, you know, the partial resurrection, which... It just sounds like a lot of fun to be like, oh, you, oh no, you took out my bait. Now you're right in a position for me to bring him right back and kill you with him. <laughs> that does sound like your play style. So the, the, the cunning crew, you know, you did mention it, like the, you have to be cunning with them. Um, I'm very interested to see you try to figure out that war band to fit your play style. Um, because unlike Kanan's Reapers, the little guys really don't do a whole lot, right? Like they're there strictly for the supports and you have to manipulate the board state to get them to support. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, they have some stuff. I mean, you can put weapons on them or give them upgrades. There's an infaction upgrade that gives them plus one damage on range one attacks. Um, but it really is only the one guy. So I don't know if that one's worth it. Um, but I mean, you know, they, the, the one that is, range one i mean he goes to three swords when he inspires and it's not that difficult to get them to inspire um so i mean range one with three swords plus punching up plus a damage upgrade i mean now he's three swords for three damage it's not too shabby or now he's four swords for three damage i guess with punching up but and then if he's inspired you could throw inspired attack in there so now he's five swords for four damage i mean that seems pretty good yeah i mean it's a lot of resources right but i mean if that means the difference between a living 
giant fell and a dead giant fell. I mean, that's probably worth it. <laughs> probably. Most definitely worth it. You don't want him to to live too long. Yeah. What about um rival like so does rivals, the warbands you're looking forward to playing there mirror what you're looking forward to playing in championship? I think really honestly for rivals, I just want to play everything. I want I want to get my uh, my a chance to put my hands on everything except for the Ideneth because I cannot manage that stupid shoal token and spine fin <laughs> model. I don't I'm gonna I'm gonna have to like set up games at home by myself and like play against myself. Like two Ideneth war bands and figure out like it's I don't know, it's something that breaks my brain. I can't can't figure it out. It's like a whole other game within the game that I just can't manage. But but I mean, yeah, I mean, everything else. And I think that, I mean, you're doing, this is your fault, but now I just want to paint. I want to get stuff painted so that I can play it painted in the league. Get my points. There, get your points. Good. I'm glad it's, glad it's having it's the desired uh, effect. Um, so talked about the war bands. Is there, in Harrow Deep, is there a certain card so this would be more a championship question. Is there a card that you've either fallen in love with or a card that you hate to see or one that you know, think the listeners have to be kind of like on the, the lookout for? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so contest of equals. I think. I think I'm going to take it. Unless it gets banned or fixed. Um, so for anyone that isn't familiar, it's a surge objective. If you and your opponent roll the name, same number of successes and the attack fails, then you get a glory. Um, and so that, and that, so that could be critical successes and successes. Um, the way it works now is if nobody rolls any successes, it still scores. Um, and I, you know, I mean, the odds of that happening are not that high but it happens often enough that it's one of those that i feel like is kind of a no-brainer if gw fixes it so that you have to roll at least one success then those odds go down considerably and i don't think it's worth it anymore um but that one's in there and then one that that has uh tripped me up in the online play more than i expected it to was scant resources so we mentioned this one earlier but if there is no unspent glory or all objectives are held, you get two glory. Um, and that one's, I mean, it can be pretty easy to score uh, depending on, you know, kind of what you've got going on, especially without distraction and nightmare in the shadows. So the ability to, to push somebody off or not wanting to use your own resources to get onto a gloom hex, delve it to turn it into an objective and then get off of it um so that's definitely one to keep an eye out for yeah i would i would definitely agree not that i haven't talked about that one because i don't like that card but it is easily scorable um you know if i'm going to interject one that that i think is going to be on a rise on the rise and i don't know if it's necessarily there yet um is fearless seekers is this score in the end phase if two or more friendly fighters are on a feature tokens in enemy territory um so i think that 
the changes to Harrow Deep has pushed all the objective kind of center board. Like you, it's really hard to to hide them in the back now. So a lot of the engagements in no man's land and really like the the first part of your board, as well as where the objectives or feature tokens are placed. Plus, you can then put an additional feature token and get it where you want because you don't have to follow the the rule of two. You, they can go next to each other. Um, I think that that card's going to become hot and really see play. It may already have, and you know, I'm sorry if I'm a little behind the eight ball here, but uh, you know, I started to build decks with it the other day because other than truth seekers, like I'm going to go back to the dread pageant and, and do my my hold two and and push tech because. Let's face it, I can't get away from it. Um, so this card could be, I didn't put it in that deck because I don't want to go into your territory, but um, I do run it in my Truth Seekers deck because I do want to be in your territory and I want my double block on a Gloom Hex so I have all the block uh, ability to survive. Um, you know, the the other one that I'm I'm trying to make make work and I forget the card now that I call on myself to, to answer things. Um, but What's yeah, it? what is it? What's it's, it? Pl it's plus one dice. And then if you're a brawler, it's plus one dice all the way through. Um, oh yeah. I can't remember the name of it. Oh shoot. How can I forget that card? Anyway, I'll let you search for that. So one that I just now remembered that I like for aggro warbands is In Cold Blood. So it's a surge and it's a duel. Um, when you uh, attack, so a friendly, score this immediately if a friendly fighter's attack action takes the target out of action and that friendly fighter has no wound counters or that friendly fighter is an assassin. Um, you know, with the relative... Uh, ability to add to movement to a fighter and add some accuracy to a fighter when it comes to attacking like this is it's a it's relatively easy to score especially early game um and then if you're playing a warband that has a lot of fighters right like you know you could throw your two wound fighter in with some accuracy upgrades and and make this happen because nobody has target like everybody's targeting your bigger fighters yeah or you've got a two-win fighter that's been hanging out in the back waiting to just be a missile. Um, so that's, I mean, that's one of the more aggro surges that I really like. Yeah, that makes sense. The My card is called Live for the Fight. So it's plus one dice to the first attack action, right? Like, we've seen that before. But I do think that plus one dice cards, even though I never took determined effort previously... <laughs> I think with the gloom hex and cover hex mechanic now, and the, there seems to be a, like a lot of guard out there too. I think the additional dice may be a resource that I'm willing to spend a gamma spot on. But the second half of this is if the attack action is made by a brawler, each attack action uh, also gets a plus one dice in the activation. And really it's because I'm playing truth seekers and I really want Doraz to do his scything attack with three dice and for two damage. <laughs> Uh, yep. It hasn't worked yet, but I'm by darn it, gone it. I'm gonna get it to to work because um, he does have the brawler keyword. So yep. I like that card as uh as well. That's funny. 
Yeah, so actually, let's make a callback because I totally skipped over this. So my last game to get into the, the Rivals League, speaking of plus one dice and scything attacks, um, I got to call out Max Bernstein here real quick. So I sent Art Skull in to do a scything attack against, I think it was the Stick It and the Three Wound... Uh, Hopgoblin from yeah. Cunning Crew. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Uh, anyway, so I went in and I did my scything attack on three dice uh, and got both of them and then pushed away out of range so that uh, Manok would only have one opportunity to, to get me. Uh, and so Max comes in with the charge. He needs the Grievous to go off. He rolls a crit and no other successes. And then in classic Jared fashion, I roll a single crit defense uh, and block the attack. So uh, so I took out two of his fighters and scored two glory and then denied him all the glory. All the glory. Uh, for for finishing that out. And it was one of those it was that was a game that felt like at the end an early Shadespire game because I mean it was super low score. I think it yeah. was like 10 to six or something like that, just because neither of us could get our stuff. Like we were, we were disrupting each other's activities and none of our stuff could fire off. And so it really just came down to like kills plus a few more glory. Yeah. That's fine. Um, it, the, the fighter's name is cook grin. Crook, crook grin. And is it, it's stick it. Right. Gick uh, it is the shank. There's shank and gick it. It's gick. It, yeah. Stick it. Stick it is one of the the mob. He's one of the the, the mad. No, not the, the mad mob. The Zarbags gets. Yeah, he, yeah, he's one of the gets. Yeah. Too many goblins and <laughs> gobnoblins and hobnoblins and. So then the, the last right the last That's what the, is. Is that what he is? He's a hobgrot. He's a hobgrot. Yes. Um. The last card that I'll I'll put out there, and I always say the name of this card wrong is Wetted Blade. Wetted. Wetted. Wetted, wetted blade. Yeah. That means and sharpened, by the way. Sharpened. Right. Yep. Wetted yes. blade. <clears throat> and it, it gives you a reroll, but again, like I think that you know, adding accuracy given the gloom and the the um how often you're gonna see two dodge fighters out there. Um, but then also, too, it has the option where you can, instead of act, uh, taking the reroll, you can take it for cleave. And, you know, cleave can be really vital to get yep. through a Ripa standing on a gloom hex with bonded. Yeah. Right? Like, so um, <clears throat> I really like that card as well. So, yeah. It's when you need cleave and ensnare. Correct. If only Ensnare was more readily available out there, I would definitely take it, but it's really hard to come by. So with that, I mean, any anything else you want to add on Harrow Deep or tips or things you like, things you don't like? I think we pretty much covered almost everything. Yeah, I don't. I can't. I don't. I don't think there's anything that we missed. 
No, other than not. other than uh, other than our Friday lunch spire for the past three weeks. Yeah, right. It'll be it'll be a month by the time we get to to do it again. Cause... I mean, I have Friday off. I'm in town. <laughs> uh, we'll have to talk. Yeah. <laughs> That's gonna be a note for me, dog. <laughs> Something family, something, something. Something, something, something. People are off on Friday. Yeah. So. Well, great. Well, we'll we'll take a pause here and we'll come back for the outro. Sweet. All right. Well, uh, that's it for Hexed Out of the Gloom. I do want to say thanks to everyone who's listening. Um, if you have liked what you've heard then you can always like subscribe review do the needful all of those wonderful things uh we're available on basically every podcast platform so you can share it with friends and family uh via spotify or pocket cast or itunes or however it is that you're listening uh i i just want to say that hopefully we'll do this more often than once every five months um <laughs> Don't, don't we have a there's a warband coming out sometime before the end of the year the pirate ogre comes out when uh they haven't said when he comes out but okay. soon yeah Soon-ish. i can't no i think it's in january i think that's what the roadmap said. oh is that what it said yeah early early 2023 or 2022 Tw- wow 2023 wow wow yeah, <laughs> such a good timeline oh oh gosh where does the time man i a flat circle uh anyway so for the battle mallet podcast we are two dads who are so excited that we don't always have to wear a mask around each other anymore right i agree with that a hundred percent it's very nice to to be getting back out there yep so uh this is jared signing out and i'm jason table and weary get the hell out of here Peace. protected under the Creative Commons license. If you have further questions as to its use, you can find more information via links on podcast.battle-mallet.com. Music by Anno Domini Beats. I have no idea where this is going. We're like coming out of the gloom, Jared. This is all... It's all just ad-libbed, and I don't know what I'm doing. Do you? I mean, that seems like a perfectly good transition in the next section to me. (laughs)